Five-year-old Johnny was in his, with his mom in the kitchen, and, and she said, uh, could you go get me a can of tomato soup? I can't leave the stove right now. I've got to stir this dish. And he said, Mom, you know I can't go in there. It's dark in there. And she said, well, go ahead, Johnny. Jesus will be in there with you. And so he kind of crept over to the pantry, and as he got to the edge, he looked in, and it was dark. And he said, Jesus, if you're in there, can you hand me a can of soup? <laughs> Frank was deathly afraid to fly. He had to go from California to Indiana, and his connecting flight to Denver was delayed twice because of mechanical difficulties. He gets on the flight, headed out, and uh, as it starts to, to level off after ascending, the lights are flickering. He calls the flight attendant over and says, Ma'am, could you have... The, somebody do something about the lights they're flickering and then right after that the lights went off that was her solution a guy across the aisle said whatever you do don't ask about the engines <laughs> a senior training supervisor a gas a, a gas employee and he was training a new uh, employee on how to check the meters and so they were going down the alley checking the meters the gas meters for the homes there and they got down to the end of the row, having done their job, and the, and the young guy said to the old guy, because they had already got to know each other, I'll race you back to the van. And so they race back with their equipment. It's a pretty good race, but then they hear a, a third set of footsteps behind them. They look around, and it's this housewife huffing and puffing. When she catches her breath, she says, whenever I see two gas men running from my house, I'm going to be right after them. We fear things, don't we? And because we are afraid, we make jokes about our fears. Whether it be a fear of the dark, or a fear of flying, or a fear of explosion, we make jokes. But fear is real. And today I want to tell you that there is a fear the Bible says that you should have. The Bible says that we all should fear God. You won't hear that a lot in church. You maybe have never heard that before. Because for us to hear of and to think of fearing God brings negative connotations. I think it's because we misunderstand the command of what it means to fear God. Yes, it is a command. Yes, it does mean that we can't do exactly what we want to do, but there's much more to fearing God than maybe what you think. And it's not a fear of that somehow God is up on the throne angry and mad. He's just waiting for you to do something wrong so he can zap you. But it is to understand the character and person of God. It is to understand the choices that we make in life that I think the Bible tells us to fear God. That's exactly what Peter tells us as we've come in our study to understanding of what it meant to live as aliens and strangers in what is modern day Turkey. He's come and says to them, he gives a command to them to live with the fear of God. Today, I want to answer two questions. The first is this, what does fearing God mean? Why do we not talk about that? very often why do we not talk about something that 
that the Bible asks us to do. I think it's because we misunderstand what fearing God means. Fear, the fear of the Lord is something that's talked about a lot in Scripture. In the book of Proverbs, it says in uh, verse 7 of chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In 8.13, it says to fear of the Lord is to hate evil. 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 14.26, he who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. 15.16 says, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. 14.27 says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life turning a man from the snares of death. Uh, the second part of verse 6, uh, 16, 16, 6, though the fear of the Lord, uh, through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. And 22, 4 says, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. We can summarize those verses in a couple of statements. One is, the fear of the Lord, according to the Old Testament book of Proverbs, is the key to long life, to wisdom, prosperity, knowledge, and happiness. Secondly, the fear of the Lord is the, most, the single most important quality a father can hand down to his children. Sounds like we maybe misunderstand the fear of God, doesn't it? Because those things are what all of us would want. All of us would want long life, wisdom, prosperity, knowledge, and happiness. All of us would want to pass down to our children the, the key to having the best life that they can have. I think there are two other Old Testament verses that also can help us to understand what it means to fear the Lord. Deuteronomy 5.29 tells us that fearing God is an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude of the heart. The verse reads like this. <clears throat> Do we have that? Oh, I, I, I have that. Uh, yes. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all of my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Did you hear that? Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me. It's an attitude of the heart. Yes, I forgot that verse. Let's see verse 17 of our passage. <clears throat> Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. It's commanded by God that if we're going to worship him, that means that we have this fear of him. And it is an attitude of the heart that we take. Now remember in the Bible, the heart is the soul, it's the core of a person. It's not the actual organ that sends blood through the body. And so when it says to fear God is an attitude of the heart, it means to have the proper perspective, the proper understanding of who God is and our relationship to him. It's an attitude we take on and very much from the, who, the core of who we are. It's how we see life and how we see our relationship with him. Secondly, a fear of the God, a fear of the Lord is, it is a choice that we make. Proverbs one twenty nine. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, we choose, don't we, to fear poverty. We choose to fear disease. We choose to fear 
darkness. You might say, well, it's not something I choose. It's just something that's, that's innate. No, we all have a choice about whatever it is that we're afraid of. God wants to take away the fears of the things in life. He, he wants us to understand, as it says to us in 1 Timothy, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, of timidity, but he's given us a spirit of power. But that results in, it resonates from having this attitude, having this choice that we make with our free will to fear God. And maybe that's hard for you to grasp. Let me add this, and it goes to the core of what I believe the definition of fearing God from the Bible is. That fearing God is love plus respect. It is love plus respect. The fear of the Lord contains two qualities, love plus respect. One without the other is not it. You put those words together, fear of the Lord is a loving respect for him. Fear of the Lord is a respectful love for him. Now, maybe it's starting to make sense to you. Even more, I think we could put it in a negative way and, and really grasp what we're talking about. Where there is no respect, there is no love. Where there is no respect, there is no love. Why don't you say that with me? Where there is no respect, there is no love. If there's no respect in a marriage, then I would say there's not love there either. When there's not respect in a family... I would say there's not love there either. It is the two coming together that we start to get what's going on here. Start, we start to understand. You see, when we think of fear of God, while we don't like to think about it, while we think of it negatively, is we usually think of it as a cringing fear. A cringing fear is respect without love. We respect the power of somebody or something to do damage or harm to us, but, but we don't understand, we don't see that there's any love. Likewise, if you have love without respect, it's irreverent flippancy. They must go together. And in this understanding, if we're going to fear God, live out our lives as strangers here in reverent fears, Peter tells us, then it's love plus respect. For me, it comes together by understanding the relationship I have with my earthly father. You see, his generation, it wasn't so much that they would verbally say, I love you, but he showed it to me through his actions, and I had a great respect for him. I respected him, and I loved him. I still do. And so it has never come from my lips that I would call my father old man. It's never come from my lips that I would degrade him in public because I have this respect, this love for him. It's the same thing for me with God. Here, if you want to write down, here for me is my definition, I think from my research of Scripture, of the fear of the Lord. It is a choice I make to obey him because I love him and I please him. I want to please him. It's a choice I make to obey him 
because I love God and I want to please him. That's the way I seek to live every day. It's not with any other fear. It's not to fear a lack of popularity, a respect from other people. It's not to fear disease. It's not to fear bankruptcy. It's not to fear something bad happening to me or those that I love. I choose to live my life by obeying God because I love him and I want to please him. I hope that makes sense to you. That's what fearing God means, I believe, in Scripture. That's what it means, hopefully, to you. The second question we want to answer today is, why should we fear God? We've talked about what it is to fear God, but why should we fear God? The first reason Peter gives us here is life is short. Life is short. Verse 17, since you call on a father's a father who judges each per- person's work partial, impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. I put the emphasis on time. Why does he mention time? Why does he mention foreigners again? I think it's to cause us to remember that there is a, a short tenure, particularly in the eyes of God, a life span of 60, 70, 80, 90 years is just a blink of an eye in God's sight, in God's timing. With God, a day is like a thousand years. It says it a little differently in Psalm 90:12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What that's saying is not so much about the brevity of life, but it's saying this that you should make the most of every day that you have because you never know how many you have. uh, Understand and see, number your days so that you might spend every day living them as wisely, living them to the fullest that you can because life is indeed short. James 4 says this, Why do we, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Like that. Maybe some of you are experiencing like I am. As you get older, time seems to go faster, doesn't it? It's hard to believe my youngest child will be a junior in high school in four days. I was talking to Joe this week, one of our elders here, and he said, Gabby is 13 now. Like that. I remember when she was in my wife's third grade class. It goes quickly. So shouldn't it be that we seek to live our life with maximum priority? We give the most important things first place in our life. That we order the priorities of our life according to this understanding that our life could be over in a blink. It's our human nature to say, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll lose weight tomorrow. I'll, I'll start reading my Bible tomorrow. I'll start doing that teaching of a class for church tomorrow. I'll start 
ministering to those who are hungry, those who are homeless tomorrow. Tomorrows have a way of coming and going while we stay the same. I think life is short is a very important reason for us to fear God. The second is this, God is the judge. I think we live our life so many times seeking to please the wrong judges. I do. It's important to please your boss, but your boss's judgment is not really going to matter when it's all over. It's important to please your wife or your husband, but their judgment's really not going to matter when it's all over. It's important to please your Neighbors to have a good reputation in the community, but their opinions really aren't going to matter when it's all over. Remind you what verse 17 says, since you call on a father who judges each, per- each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Likewise, Hebrews eleven six. 6, <clears throat> without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must Believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. A judge sits on their bench and they hear the evidence. Now, sometimes human judges are not impartial. But God does consider everything. He's completely fair. He's completely just. He hears and knows and sees everything that goes on in our life. And he hears and wants to see us live out and make the right choices. But we all know that we don't. So what is it that pleases God? That verse in Hebrews tells you it is a life lived in faith. It's a life lived where you make choices to obey God because you love him and you want to please him. Back to our definition of the fear of God that you make your priorities in life to obey him because you love him and want to please him. The judge can be satisfied both by our choices but also by our coverage. It is every day that we have, we have choices to make. What are our priorities going to be for this day? There's a passage in 1 Corinthians, I think, that speaks right to what we're talking about. Verses 11 through 15 of chapter 3. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Ultimately, it's, it's the work, the person of Jesus Christ that enables our faith. It enables us to be forgiven by God. Our sins that we have made, our choices to not do what God wants us to do or, or to do what God doesn't want us to do, those sins are in the book. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have made those choices. The Bible says that it's only by the work, the saving work of Jesus Christ. It's only by us believing in him, trusting in him, being baptized into him, that we can have our sins forgiven, that we can be set free of those. That's the foundation we build our life on. If anyone builds on this foundation using silver, gold, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw... Their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to life, light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. 
If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. You know what that's saying there? It's saying that we have a, a salvation that comes through Jesus Christ by our faith. But if we choose to, to put our time and our effort into things that ultimately will be destroyed or burned up, then we will lose the pleasure. We will lose the privilege of those things. Yes, our faith will still be saved. We will be saved through our faith. But our, all of our efforts will be wasted. How many of us want to live the bulk of our hours and our days doing things that will be wasted, that won't matter in eternity? You see, I have my vision firmly fixed on the one judge that matters. My encouragement to you is the same thing. Since we have a father who impartially judges, let us live out our time as strangers, as foreigners here in reverent fear. That's what the Bible tells us. The reason is because we want to do, we want to live out our life for the things that matter. God always had an eternal focus in mind. He always has. It was not some plan B that he came up with. It's not as if God was adjusting on the fly like so many of us do. God had this plan always to bring us back into relationship with him. Look at what verses 18 and 21 of 1 Peter chapter 1 say. That God has always loved you. That's what they say. God has always loved you. Let's read them together. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. It was not with perishable things. That what we were just talking about, things that are burned up, things that don't matter over eternity. We're redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, our defect. Precious there means uh, priceless. Something that can't be bought. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but it was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him and so your faith and hope are in God. See, the ultimate reason that I love and respect God is because he has shown for me from the beginning of time, before I ever was a glimmer in my parents' eye, he has shown for me a love and a respect. God respects each one of us by giving us free will. He's not going to make you have faith. He's not going to make you live and invest your life in things that matter for real, for always. He gives you that choice. But he has provided for you by the precious blood of his son a way for all of your mistakes to be covered up, a way for you to come back into relationship with him as his son or his daughter, a way for you to live your life without being consumed by fears. 
I think so many times we live our life fearing things that don't come to pass. At least 90 or 95%, I believe, of our fears, the things we fear that will happen, never come to pass. I'll tell you this. I believe if we fear God more, we will fear less things that don't come to pass. Even when they do come to pass. If we're in a right relationship with God, then we have no cause to fear because he can't take away what will last, what really matters. Does that make sense to you? We just went on vacation to the, near Panama City Beach, Florida, Mexico Beach. And it happened to be the time of the year where all the seaweed came in because so the beach wasn't so fun. But I spent a lot of time in that water. And, you know, uh, I, it's because I saw the movie Jaws when I was 13, a very impressionable age, Gabby, 13, I saw the movie Jaws in 1976 that I am, have a, a, this, it's almost a, a fear of, a, now it doesn't keep me out of the ocean, but I go in about this deep, a fear of sharks. If you do the research, do you know your chances of being attacked by a shark are 1 in 11.5 million? Your chances of dying in an airplane crash, 1 in 10 million? Your chances of being struck by lightning, one in eight million. So many things we fear, we really shouldn't be thinking about. Fearing God. Choosing to obey God because you love him and respect him. What a difference that can make. I don't know if you caught this when we looked at Deuteronomy 529, but I want to read it again to you. And I want you to hear the promise embedded in these words. Deuteronomy 5.29. Do we have it? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that their hearts. Now, I want you to hear. Oh, that my heart would be inclined to fear God and to keep all his commands always so they might go well with me and my children forever. Let's do it again. I want you to hear it, and then we'll be done. Oh, that my heart would be inclined to fear God and keep all his commands always, so that it might go well with me and my children forever. The way of wellness is having the right relationship with God where you choose to obey Him because you love Him and want to please Him. Father, as we think about these things, I pray today that maybe what we've been leery of, talk of fearing you, would we indeed see as the way to wellness, the way to the kind of life that we all want to have. <clears throat> Father, thank you that you taught me this through the years. I thank you that you're still teaching me that I can fear less if I fear you. 
Thank you, Father, for the, the chance of, for my friends here to, to consider your words. And maybe this week it will help us to conquer some of the fears maybe that have been paralyzing us, that have, have kept us from doing, living to the fullest. Maybe for others, we'll see where we need to fear you more. Maybe there's a relationship that we're in that's not pleasing to you. Maybe there's a habit that we have that you wouldn't look kindly upon, that, that doesn't please you. Maybe there are attitudes that we have that don't, ref, don't reflect a love and respect for you. I pray we would confess those things. We would turn away from anything in our life that doesn't please you. I thank you, Father, for giving us Jesus Christ, for giving us a salvation that is beyond cost. And I pray, Father, that we would live in a way that loves you, that respects you, that, yes, fears you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.